The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, and also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and light of your church. Open our hearts to the riches of your grace, that we may be ready to receive you wherever you appear. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading is taken from the 15th chapter of Genesis, beginning with the first verse. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 12, starting at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that, uh, sell that what you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax that are not old a treasure in heaven that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights be burning. And you yourself be like other men who wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that he may open unto him immediately." Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Very truly, I say to you, that he who girds himself and makes himself ready to sit down to eat will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or comes in the third watch and finds them, blessed are those servants. And this, and, and this you should know, that if the good men of the house had known that the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house be broken through. So be ye ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye are not ready. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated at this time. I invite the little Lutherans to come forward. Good. Yummy. Yummy. You're yummy for the word of God? I agree. So, so is, is that um, cupcakes? No. Cup, no, I just want to say Don't you that. just love his socks? Yeah. That's Aquaman. No, it's not. That's oh. 
it's Neptune now. Or Poseidon, whatever. How are you, Ava Marie? Okay, today, I want to talk about being ready. Who's ready for school? No. No. When, when does school start, Gunther? 22nd, okay. I can't remember what day. I think it's about the same date, I think. That Thursday, I think, in about two weeks, less than two weeks. How about you? Two, one week. Yeah, two plus, okay. How about, how about you, Gavin and Grant? Okay, so pretty much about the same time, right? Are you ready? What do you do to get ready for school? Like you have to pack a lunchbox. You have to pack a lunch back? You have to go get your stuff? Like what? Like what do you think? Huh? Crayons, yep. How about you, Gavin and Grant? What do you think you need to get ready? We get to get. like first grade stuff already. What's first grade stuff? Tape, pencils. You already has them. And how about you? Do you have them? Yes. Oh, good. And Ava Marie, what are you doing for school? Yeah. Not in school yet. Okay. So, uh, what else do you do to get ready for school? Are you um, like? Are you getting up earlier? Yeah, and getting dressed. And getting dressed on time. And getting to school. Getting on a school bus that time. School bus, yeah. So there's a whole new thing, set of things you got to do, right, in order to get ready, right? Can you ride school? He might, yeah. I will. It's going to be fun. Big wheels. And my yeah. friend is going to Okay, okay, okay. Let, let me finish. It's going to be very bumpy. Yeah, I know. It's going to be bumpy. That's the fun. So so now, now when, we have to, when we get ready for things, it takes a little bit of time commitment from us, right? Like and it also makes us think ahead, right? We have to get things um, that we don't normally do or that we don't normally use, but because we get ready, we think through all this stuff. So Jesus says to get ready for his coming. What do you think we got to do to get ready for Jesus to come? Like, show a lot of love for God. Show a lot of love for God. That's one good one. How about another one? Like, be nice to people. Oh, Gee, somehow you've heard this. Good job. Yes. How about you guys? What are you about, Gunther? You always have good answers. What do you think the one way do we can prepare for, for Jesus? It's like tough. Loving. loving, yeah. Okay, loving. And how do we love? How are we loving? What do we do to show that? Jesus, Gunther? Being kind, that's right. In fact, that's kind of what I'm going to focus on, right? It's, um, it's that if we want to bring Jesus to people, we yeah, have to show God. them what Jesus is going to be like. Otherwise, they won't know that Jesus is there, right? So we have to show them what Jesus is like, and not everybody knows Jesus like we do. And so the best way to prepare for Jesus to come and to be present and to recognize is to act like Jesus. Yes, Gunther? Caring, yep. And to serve people, you know, some people can't help themselves, so we got to help them, okay? All right, let's close with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for always being okay. with us and, and, and giving us all the tools and everything that we can, that we need, so that we can show others your love and your presence. In your name we pray, amen. All right, who wants some fishies or grapes? It was some grapes.
Fishy. All right. Fishy. Oh, okay. Nobody wants grapes. Oh, grapes. Yeah, grapes. Yeah, grapes. Grapey. All right. Ava Marie, okay. What would you like? Oh, don't know. Would you like fishy or grapes? Mommy might have to pay. <laughs> there you go. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, on this so gorgeous of a morning, we're so grateful that you give us such gorgeous um, days like this and the creation that you surround us with. Moments like this, we are ever... We feel ever indebted to the gift to you for all the gifts you give us. But Lord, we ask you now, as you always do, to open our hearts, our minds, so that the words that are spoken has the power to transform us and is in accordance with your will, so that we can be the hope and light and and beacon for the world that we live and the community in which we engage. Now, Lord, let the words bring forth your grace, your wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. So today's gospel text is about, a, um, about Jesus telling his disciples to get ready. It is a text about Jesus saying, you know, there's going to come an end time, and that end time will um, look like something we don't expect. In fact, it may happen whenever, and we just don't really know. When the thief comes in the night, we got to be able to know it. If we're not, we're not going to be ready. And so he says to be ready. And um, the classical term for that is trim your lamp. Well, I, uh, this particular text has been with me for a long time. It goes back to 1999. I mean, like deep thinking about it. I was in grad school at the time, and I was, um, I, I, uh, instead of going to the churches that we were assigned to, a friend and I, Christian and I, we, um, it's going to be a great name for a pastor, Christian. He and I went to uh, this uh, up-and-coming mega church in the Twin Cities area, and we decided to try something not Lutheran for one Sunday. We were getting enough of that Lutheran stuff, and we're going to get more of it, right? So since we weren't completely committed to a church yet, being uh, in seminary, we decided to go. And so we went to this church just to get a sense of what another church was like. And it was had happened to be the Sunday after the week in which both India and Pakistan had blown up individually their own nuclear weapon. And the entire world was just abuzz with what do we do? They, I remember reading articles in the newspapers with opinions of how the world was going to end, not from Russia or China, but it's going to end from down in South uh, Asia with India going to war with, uh, with Pakistan. That hasn't changed, but that was what was going on back then. And so we went to this church, and for 45 minutes, this pastor just went on about how the world was going to end because of the nuclear bombs that were set off that week in tests. And he just went crazy by connecting the various and disparate parts of the Bible into this idea that gave him the, uh, or the, the, the confidence that the world was going to end imminently. 
And he identified the imminence of the end with this, these two nuclear bombs. And he said that what happened back then, back in the Old Testament, was really the sign of it all. He says that back in the creation story, when Adam and Eve was given dominion over the world, he, he, this, uh, this pastor said the dominion of the world, in his understanding, was man creating the world however he or she wanted it. And so because of that, Pakistan and India, not being Christians, didn't understand, was going to create the dominion part of the world. And so as a result, we were going to die because of people not understanding what God had intended in the Old Testament. And he went and spent this 45 minutes just trying to figure out how it is that we were going to die and how we're going to die by the hands of the Indians and the Pakistanis because of them testing their nuclear bombs that week. He went on and on about how the end was going to be ushering in the millennium and that he was thrilled and excited by it and that when this happened, we should not be afraid about it because God was going to come through Christ and that he was going to establish his kingdom. And so he was hoping that there would be war. And a couple weeks later, the news broke out. This was in 1999. Remember what was the big conversation then? Y2K. And you know how it is at the end of the millennium, people just go crazy. But here... Uh, there was a group of millennialists who wanted to bring forth the kingdom of God. And so they wanted Jesus to have his rapturous moment and have God comes and our Christ comes down and establish his rule. So they got on an airplane, like 50 of these people from some really crazy church in Denver, and they were going to go to Israel and blow up the Dome of the Rock, you know, that golden dome that's in, is, uh, in Jerusalem. And when they blow that up, they figured they would create a major worldwide war where Russia and China would come in and destroy the world, uh, Israel. America and all of Israel's defenders would come and fight the Russians and the Chinese. And we'll have such a catastrophic war that, um, that Christ can't help but return. Well, first of all, the audacity to think that Christ needs us to help him uh, when he comes is quite um, amazing, I think, and quite a complete misreading of God. But also, the thinking that we can bring about the kingdom of God through war is a complete misunderstanding of this particular text. Because if you really think about it, it seems like all of our lives, when we talk about the end of the world, how is it? How is it talked about? It's talked about as an event, as this amazing event that we're all going to recognize when it happens. Right? Christ's going to come down on a cloud, and then he's going to establish, and that we're all going to know it, everything's going to happen, but it's going to start with this amazing battle at Armageddon. You've all heard this, right? You, and this is kind of left-behind book kind of understanding. And so as a result, it's going to happen. But if you read closely this particular text, that's not how it's supposed to go. In fact, it's not that clear. If anything, it's much more subtle than that. The end of the world is probably not going to be the big bang, the big battle, the big Christ moment slowly coming down on a cloud. It's going to be shown on CNN and Fox News. It's probably much more subtle. It's this text, if we really look at it, 
what it says is that first thing that Christ says to be ready for his coming, what does he say in our text? Go sell your possessions and take care of other people. And then trim your lamp. The part that really uh, caught my eye in the text for this week is the trim your lamp part. Many people think that this uh, end of time will be a major historical moment brought on by a cultural conflict by war. But in many ways, what Christ is talking about, it's an economic event. It's an event in which we begin to see that there is something much more than just about warring nations and about geography and so forth, but it's really about engagement and investing in others. Because you gotta understand, Israel, you've been, if you've been to Israel, you know it's a complete desert. The big color that you keep seeing over and over in Israel is brown. It's just brown. It's everything is almost brown. Unless you're in the city of Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, it's just desert. And so to have any sort of oil, not the oil that we think of that comes out of the Middle East now, they didn't have any way of really manufacturing that oil. This is fish oil. And to get fish oil meant it was very costly. Only the wealthiest people had abundance of oil. So for the average Joe, they used their oil only sparingly, only when they absolutely had to. So when Christ says, trim your lamp, which is light up your lamp and be prepared, what he is saying is spend that on me. Use that. Use the wealth that you have to do the work that I am asking you to do. Sell your possession. Expend the wealth that you may be storing up and use all that to invest in the people that are around you. He talks about engaging people. He talks about bringing the kingdom. He says he wants to bring the kingdom of God to us. Well, we know what that means. The kingdom of God has already been here. We've always understood the kingdom of God has brought is brought closer when we are engaging in the work of kingdom building. That's when we are engaged in engaging with people bringing Christ to them, serving them, when we are in the business of bringing about the light of Christ, the word of Christ, serving Christ with people around us, we are bringing forth the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near, as Christ says. But how near it is, is up to us. It isn't Christ coming on a cloud. It isn't a major, perhaps a major war. It might be a whimper of a relationship in which it's between you and me. It is about somebody selling all his possessions or her possessions so that they can take in turn, invest in somebody that needs it. It is really about a relational event. And the economics of it is that we share what we have so that others may have a chance at this world, in this world. And so when Christ says, be prepared, and trim your lamp, he's not talking about a major catastrophic event of war, nuclear holocaust. He is talking about us being prepared to go out into the mission field, into the engagement 
of the world that he has given us so that his kingdom, his light is made known. The thing about Christ is that Christ could do all this on his own. He could have done it all his own. But he did, he brought forth initially the kingdom with 12 other disciples and untold other disciples that we know he was surrounded with, but we have no idea who they are. We know that there were at least 12, and we know that there were probably more. And that hasn't stopped. They brought about the church that we are now part of, the universal church. And it is now incumbent upon us as committed Christians to bring that church, to bring that kingdom to the greater people, to people who now are so much more willing to walk away from the church, who have found so many reasons to not see the church as relevant. It is now even more important for us to bring forth the church because but with not being in the church, people don't have any deeper understanding that there is this need that they have for something much more than what the world offers them. And so now it's really a bigger importance for us to bring forth the church. And in many ways, when we do so, we bring forth the kingdom. And when we bring forth the kingdom, we are helping others to recognize Christ so that when Christ is here, we know. And Christ says when he'll be here. Do you know when he said it? He says, where two or three are gathered, I am with you. Christ is not that far. He's right here. He is this close, but he is recognized when we are in relationship with others, engaging ministry with one another, serving with one another. And so this text historically has been seen as a pointing text toward the great battle of Armageddon or some major event that is called the eschaton, which is the word for the end time, is, uh, the end time event. But it doesn't mean the end time event. This text doesn't mean that it points to that end time event, the eschaton. It doesn't have that meaning. It means if you want to understand and recognize Christ, you ought to be prepared and study and do the things that Christ invites us because it is in doing that we come to get to know Christ. It is in preparing that we come to recognize what we are preparing for. And so this text is a text of preparation, but it's also a text of invitation for us to get deeper into our relationship with Christ so that we get to know Christ in a much deeper, deeper way. One of, um, one of my favorite preachers, or the one sermon that has really um, continued to stay with me, and this guy, Tony Campolo, I've mentioned his name before, he happened to preach at a sermon at the seminar I was at about the same time when all of this was happening in 99. And he spoke about how in Christ's time, in Christ's time, the beginning of the end, the beginning and the end, all are all one big event because in Christ there is no time that everything could possibly be all happening at once or they're so far apart we can't imagine it. But he thinks everything's happening. Boom, boom, he's dying. He's born, Jesus is born, Jesus is dying, Jesus is resurrecting, all happening at the same time. Everything, time is all mixed up and it's because it's eternity. And so for him, the kingdom of God has already come near just as much as the, um, the Big Bang has already happened or it's happening now or it was already in the past. We don't know. But what we know is that Christ is here. Christ is ready. Christ is wanting to be part of it. And it's not necessarily we have to wait till some major end time event. If anything, we are invited to bring forth Christ now.
And so let this text be a text where we are reminded that Christ's invitation to us continues to happen and that he continues to call us and beckons us to bring forth his kingdom as he says in the first verse of today's text that it's the kingdom that he wants to give us and he wants to give us to us so that we can bring it to others who are in need. Let this be an invitation in which we bring forth God's kingdom and bring forth God, period, in Christ so that the world may recognize Christ all the more. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you continue to love us, you continue to give us the gifts that we need for our lives. Lord, but help us to be courageous, to give us, give us strength, and give us the courage and every other gift that we need so that we can bring forth your presence for all those who may not recognize you. And that when we serve them, they know that it is you who send us and that when we are to, together, we can recognize you in the midst of us, giving us the courage and the impetus to do the work you've set before us. Now, Lord, let us answer and heed your invitation so that the world around us, though it may seem frustrating and, can, and disconnected, may know your good works. In your name we pray. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> Treasuring your promise to hear us when we call, we pray for the church, those in need, and all of your creation. Lord, on this beautiful morning, we are grateful for the creation you, you give us, for the beauty of the animals and the prosperity of the fields around us and how fertile and how much it gives to us. Lord, we are grateful for how much we are surrounded by your people and by your animals. Allow us, Lord, to always give thanks to you and recognize you in the in the faces of your creation, whether it be people, animals, or the flowers and the wheats that we are surrounded with. Lord, we lift up to you all of the relationships that we have in our lives, from our parents, to our siblings, to our coworkers and friends around our communities. Lord, we ask you that we, will, that we can find ways to continue to serve them and bring forth your graciousness in our relationships with them. Allow us to reflect your, allow us to recognize your reflection in the faces of the strangers that we meet, in the neighbors that we live next to, and in the people we pass by every day. Let us, Lord, and allow us to give thanks to you for all of the companionships that we are given daily. Lord, 
help us in the various ways in which we um, find ourselves when we are far from you, when we are tempted and we fall into sin, when we are distant in our re relationship with you, help us to find our way back so that we can give glory to you in what we say, in what we do. Lord, we are grateful for teachers and those who are wise who teach us, as this, especially at this time, we lift up to you those who are preparing to teach our young ones and those who dedicate our lives, our, their lives to educating all the people of this world. Allow them to know that you bless them in their work. Lord, we lift up to you all those who are servants for your people, that they too may know that they are blessed by you. And let their blessings be a blessing upon us as we then become blessings to others. Lord, we lift up to you those who can't be with us this day because they are traveling. Protect them in their vacations, especially if they're overseas. And we ask you to bless them in their travels, whether they're on the roads or in other, on other modes, so that they're blessed and are not harmed. Lord, we lift up to you those who cannot be with us because they're recovering from various illnesses or because they physically cannot join us this day. We, we lift up to you Herman, Bruce, Hulda, Christine, John, Eileen, Ray, Roger, Wilbur, Linda, Randy, Ed, Kay, Edna, Thelma, Carl, and Carol. We lift up to you all of those that we name that they may be made well, and those that we quietly say that they too are mentioned in your kingdom and are made fuller. Lord, we continue to lift up to you all those who dedicate their lives to your ministry within the congregations that they serve. We especially lift up to you this congregation that we continue to, be, to seek ways in which we can be faithful to you and be relevant to the community around us. We're grateful for such great and faithful members. We're grateful for those who are willing to take risks and be, a, be willing to find ways in which we can bring forth your kingdom to the community around us. Keep us focused on that. Keep us with that kind of spirit so that we, are, that we become more of a, of a beacon of hope. Lord, lastly, we lift up to you all our leaders, whether we're talking about our national leaders, all the way down to our municipal leaders, that they can be faces of your wisdom, that as they make decisions, they do so according to your will, and that they put their own personal needs aside and vote and decide according to the people's needs. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
<clears throat> Please rise. <clears throat> Let us pray together. Blessed are you, O God, for the greening earth given for all, for the talents we are given to share, and for this bread and wine. Transform us to be the body of Christ, that feasting on this food and drink, our lives may reflect your generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us receive the benediction. Live your lives in Christ, rooted and built up in him, abounding in thanksgiving, and the blessing of the Holy Trinity, one God, be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.